0: Welcome to the Success in Medicine podcast. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata, author of the best-selling residency match guide, The Successful Match, and creator of the Residency Interview 101 course. This is a special series on the podcast called Energized at Work. We hear so much about burnout in medicine, and it is a real and very challenging problem. That's why I wanted to learn from doctors in all types of specialties who are the opposite of burned out. These are the doctors who are energized by work. I'm looking forward to sharing lessons and secrets from these doctors on this special series. I am so excited to invite onto the program today, Dr. Srihari Gopal, and one of the reasons I really wanted to hear from him was because he is currently global program head at Regeneron, and he's had a long and storied career in uh, drug development, in clinical research, and I know a lot of students that I've spoken to are really interested in this whole area of uh, working in drug design, drug development, clinical research, and what does that involve from a day-to-day perspective. And so I'm really excited that Dr. Gopal has joined us today to talk more about that. So welcome, Dr. Gopal.
1: Thank you, Archie. Nice to see you again.
0: Yeah, and a little background. Um, Dr. Gopal and I knew each other back in uh, Houston when he was doing his residency at the Baylor College of Medicine. So I think that's a great place to start, actually. Well, tell us a little bit about what you do currently.
1: Well, right now, my role is what's called a global program head. Uh, I work at Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. And what that means is basically I'm a team leader for several compounds that are in early development. And basically, there's a large multifunctional team of different expertise in drug development, kind of like a basketball team, right? Where you have different players of different skill sets. So I kind of coordinate that team and drive the strategy forward. So the the members on the team would would include experts from regulatory affairs, biostatistics, there's finance, there's commercial, uh, health economics. So we take all these experts, I mean, that's only a small group of the experts, and we drive towards getting a drug approved by the FDA and other health authorities around the world.
0: Wow, and so in your pre, tell us a little bit about your previous role as well, because I know you were in that role for uh, many years.
1: Right, so I joined Regeneron a little less than a year ago. Before that, I spent about 20 years at Johnson & Johnson. Um, the, The pharmaceutical arm is called Janssen. And there I worked on a variety of different compounds in schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, Alzheimer's disease, and depression. And we worked on these drugs to get them approved on a variety of different indications. So my role involved, actually when I first started, I was a medical monitor and a study physician where I was the one interacting with the research sites and the principal investigators, collecting the data, analyzing it, and we would eventually write things up and put it together in a new drug application, an NDA. And send that to the FDA and we would receive their questions. And obviously there was a long back and forth with that with getting any drug approved.
0: Okay. And because I know you completed after your residency a master's in clinical research. Is that correct?
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So can you walk us through your career path? How did you get to this point today where you're a program head?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in New Jersey. So there was a lot of pharmaceutical companies in the area. So pretty much every summer since college and medical school, I, I did an internship. So I had, um, well, most of those internships were internships related to lab-based functions. So working in a lab, uh, working on animal experiments. So I had an understanding of that. And then once I was in medical school, I worked in a clinical pharmacology laboratory where they would do phase one studies. So those are very short-term studies to look at the pharmacokinetics in in patients. So by the time I had finished, I had a pretty good understanding and I knew that their physicians had a role in the research industry. And um, when I finished my residency, I was uh, thinking about alternative careers and I I went back to my roots in New Jersey and and found a position at J&J at the time. So it it was interesting. Um, I've always interested in the science, uh, but I like the clinical aspect too. So this is a, a really good way that I combine things together.
0: And what made you decide to get a master's in clinical research? Was that to put you on this career path or was it out of interest?
1: In medical school and residency, you don't really learn enough about the regulatory affairs part of drug development and also the biostatistical issues, especially designing clinical trials and appropriate uses of statistical powers and modeling techniques. So I learned all that in my master's And it really helped propel me in my career because um, I really understood the, the nuts and bolts of clinical trials at that point.
0: Do you think it's necessary for somebody who's interested in this career path to have a master's in clinical research or is there a substitute for that?
1: No, I wouldn't say it's necessary. I mean, you can get that information elsewhere. You could study on your own. Some people go and get a PhD. Some people decide to work in a research lab for a while. But any kind of research where you learn about statistics, trial design and appropriate use of um, inferential statistics is really important. And you can get that in a variety of different ways. I see.
0: And I want to ask you, because I think from the outside looking in, it's very opaque as to sort of what are the pluses and minuses of a career such as what you've had? Um, And I don't even necessarily want to say pluses and minuses, but what are aspects of the job of the work that you absolutely love, and what are aspects that are a little bit more bureaucratic or a little bit more of a slog? (laughs) Yeah, just to present that balanced view of what a career. Sure.
1: Well, I did practice for a number of years after I finished my residency. I did uh, work on the weekends and nights uh, in the in a clinic setting. So I, I wanted to do that just so I could maintain things, so I didn't forget. So I do have a really good understanding of what clinical medicine is like. And I would say the best part about being in the pharmaceutical industry is that you're kind of freed from the day-to-day pressures of maintaining a practice and making sure you pay the bills on time. It's a different kind of pressure, right? So my pressures are making sure that the trials are done right and that the the patient safety is being protected and we get the the FDA to agree. So I would say it's a different set of pressures. I like the research more. I mean, some, some people who are in medicine really like the clinical aspects more. So I guess it's, it's, it's a matter of what your own preference is. One of the, the pluses I would say is that I get to publish a lot. All of the studies that I'm on, I'm w- one of the authors on, and there's a lot of other things associated with, with that, especially patents. So I'm an author on about 200 publications and about 30 patents so, so far. So you can really get prolific in, in, yeah, in in some of the things that you do because you're considered the expert on the trial that you're working on.
0: Okay. Wow. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. 30 publications and 30 patents. Yeah. And is this an area where you see yourself continuing on um, along the same career path? Or what is the newest thing for you in terms of what you're learning or where you're growing?
1: Oh, I love what I'm doing right now. So I think I mentioned to you, I left Johnson & Johnson about a year ago, and I joined Regeneron, which is a company, it's a biotechnology company focused exclusively on monoclonal antibodies and, and, and large molecule approaches to treating disease. So there's a new wave of CRISPR technology and siRNA that may be coming in the future, and monoclonal antibodies especially. So... I think that's really the next wave, and that's part of the reason why I came to Regeneron. It's also led by two physician scientists, MD, PhDs, whereas at most pharmaceutical companies, it's, it's, it's a different type of approach. So I'm really happy with that, and the, the science is excellent. And that's really what drives me and motivates me because I've always been fascinated by that. You, you never really get tired of science because you're, I'm seeing now what may be in the clinic in 10 years from now, right? So that's really interesting to me. Um, when you're seeing a patient every day, sometimes it can get a little boring seeing the 10th patient in a row with the same condition and you're telling him the same thing. So in that sense, it's really exciting.
0: Wow. That is, uh, like something, what you said right there really, uh, resonated with me that you're seeing what we're going to see in the clinic 10 years from now. I mean, that's amazing. You truly are being on the cutting edge then in medicine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would say is that When I see, when I develop a new drug, right, for example, it may impact millions of patients, right? Even for a single indication, whereas if I was in a clinic by myself, maybe I would see 3000 patients and have an impact on them or maybe 10,000 patients at the most, right? So you have far greater reach in the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, the downside is you don't have that patient contact anymore, right? So some people really like that. They like to go into the clinic and see patients and talk to them. I don't have that. I do interact with patients, but it's through an investigator. So it's kind of secondhand knowledge.
0: Okay. And, you know, we hear so much about burnout in medicine, um, and there's a lot of factors for that. Do you see that as an issue in, um, in the kind of work that you do and the kind of colleagues that you work with?
1: Burnout, I don't see as much as I saw it in medicine, right? So that's a really common thing that happens, especially like in emergency medicine, anesthesia and there's very high-paced specialties. But in the pharmaceutical industry, it's a different type of pressure, like I mentioned, the pressure from within and timelines for the product itself. Um, so you're kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of up to you how you handle that, right? Uh, some companies are also quite a bit different. Smaller companies are more relaxed and usually the bigger companies have more intense types of meetings, so it varies quite a bit.
0: And if you're looking at week to week, um, if you're thinking about yourself and your colleagues, what's sort of an hour, hours per week worked range
1: that you see in your industry? Mm. Okay, so I remember when I was in the clinic, right? So we, we would take every other night call or at least call twice a week. And you'd be up the whole night and getting phone calls. And then you'd, the next day when you're trying to recover, you'd be groggy. So none of that happens. I don't work any weekends. I don't work any holidays. It's pretty much 40 hours a week. And once I shut my laptop down, that's pretty much it. Unless there's some urgent things coming in from like the FDA or some kind of safety issue, th- then you may have to do something a bit different. Well, I wanted
0: to ask you something else about your schedule uh- and maybe sort of a broad overview of your career in general, which is related to the fact that change, especially in medicine, we know that change is a constant. So I'm curious to hear in your particular area, how do you feel like your work is different today than it was maybe five or 10 years ago? And what do you see as upcoming changes in the type of work that you're doing over the next five to 10 years?
1: Yes, so on the couple of levels I can talk about change. The first level is working in a big corporation. There's always turnover at the very top of the company, at the C-suite level. And usually every five years or so, there's like a new person who's coming in and they always obviously want to change things. So I've survived multiple rounds of that and even layoffs. So that's always a, a concern. But the good thing about being in the biotechnology industries that there's a lot of demand. So it's, it's very easy to pivot and go to other companies. So in, in that respect, that's one aspect of change that people should be aware of. But when you're a physician, that is almost unheard of to be laid off, right? right? So the second aspect of change I wanted to talk about is related to scientific discovery. So when I first started in this industry in the 2000s, early 2000s, most research was really a blunt instrument in the sense that people kind of knew generally what broad target that they wanted and they wanted a drug that would work in pretty much every segment of that population, whether or not people responded or not, you really wouldn't know ahead of time. And I would say probably over the last five to 10 years there's been a focus on what's called precision approaches Mm -hmm. where you target the right patient Um, and oncology is really well known for this. They started off with looking at um, genetic polymorphisms of some of these tumors where instead of just supplying like a broad-based neoplastic to everyone, you find the genetic malformation that's suitable to one particular target. And that has made its way into other areas of scientific research, but I think it's more prominent in oncology. So I would say looking forward over the next 10 years, that's going to really be a big focus, um, narrowing down the population instead of being really broad and finding the right drug for the right patient at the right time.
0: Okay. And the way you have presented this field is so interesting. I mean, I'm sure students listening to this are like, sign me up. I'd love to learn more. So what advice would you give to students who are number one, interested in learning more or number two, interested in pursuing this as a career?
1: Hmm. I, I would say the, the first thing you need to understand that it's, it's competitive to get a job in, in this space. There's generally an oversupply of applicants or people who want to join, uh, mainly because a lot of medicine involves a lot of tedious paperwork and other things that become challenging over time. So you have to be prepared for that. And when I say prepared for that, it's kind of a chicken or egg situation. When I first started, the first thing that most recruiters would ask me is, okay, well, where's your experience? And I would say, I really don't have any experience. And it's, it's, it's that vicious cycle. You can't really get the experience until you get your first job and so forth. So hmm. I would say that there is ways to get uh, in, um, experience even before you apply for a job. And, and there's a couple of ways. One is to volunteer at a clinical research site. Um, there's lots of research being done all around the country and there's principal investigators who need help. So as a student or a resident, you can always volunteer to learn more about that. The second way is to consider going to a place like the FDA right after you finish, because they hire physicians right out of residency, and that's really a a good starting place because you learn uh, the basics of drug development there, and you get to see many different companies under one umbrella there. So those are two ways that you could do it. The the third way I can probably think of is maybe there's these companies called CROs, contract research organizations, and Mm -hmm. they do a lot of the work behind the scenes for bigger companies. They, they outsource certain parts of it. And the CROs are often more willing to hire junior doctors or people without experience. So, well, once you get a couple of years experience, it's, it's much easier to move into the industry and the path, the path upward from there, the sky's the limit.
0: All right. And what do you see as your next 10 years?
1: (laughs) Hopefully I'll be retired by then. Um, (laughs) but I think, um, I've had a fantastic career, I've, I've been all over the world, I've worked on many different development programs, and I've moved to Regeneron because I was really interested in learning more about monoclonal antibodies and this precision approach that I talked about. So I'm really learning a lot there. Um, and I don't really have firm plans on what my next steps are, but I just I just want to continue growing and being able to contribute. and. I really love going to work every day. So hopefully I never burn out of it. Um, but um, eventually I would like to retire, right? <laughs> yes.
0: But that's fantastic. I mean, just the fact that you're able to say you love going to work every day and you can see the impact that you're making and you want to continue learning. That's really, I mean, that's fantastic. So. Yeah. Well, Dr. Gopal, I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your insights and your experience in this area for our students. So we really appreciate learning from you.
1: Yeah, sure. And if and if any of your students or any of your listeners want to reach out to me, find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to talk and schedule a phone call with anyone who has any questions.
0: That's very kind of you. Thank you for that offer. So and with that, we'll wrap it up. Thank you again. Bye bye. All
1: right. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye.